All right. Well, uh, we want to welcome you to the L252 podcast today. I'm Ronnie Morris. Uh, this podcast is sponsored by the Arkansas District of the Assemblies of God. Uh, we represent about 1,200 ministers and uh, 400 churches, and we're just uh, glad that you uh, have chosen to listen in. Uh, today, I'm very excited to welcome actually two guests, um, Rachel Ryle and uh, Julie Fant. Uh, Rachel uh, and Julie are licensed certified social workers. Um, maybe we could just say it as their licensed therapist. Uh, Rachel is one of our ordained ministers. She opened up the Regenesis Health in February of 2021. She brings to the table 12 years of behavioral health experience with a background in working with building behavioral health programs as well as counseling trauma and anxiety and depression. Uh, Julie um, opened up Divine Therapy in Bryan in 2016. She has 27 years of experience in helping people with severe mental illness, including depression, anxiety, and trauma. And what I really appreciate about both of you is that you have such a passion for helping ministers become more healthy in their personal and ministerial lives. And as as both of you know, uh, that is what I really believe God has laid on my heart mm-hmm. Uh, to help bring people, uh, our ministers to a place of health, and uh, not not just uh, mental health, but that's what we're going to focus on today. But you know, I think we ought to follow Jesus' exa- example in Luke two fifty two. He he grew spiritually, he he grew physically, he grew mentally, and he grew spiritually. Um, but really, this is this is the area that we want to look at today, and. Uh, both of you were there and uh, at the district council this year uh, when I made it the focus of the council. And uh, that, uh, in fact, it was, um, it, I think it took some people, uh, uh, it, it, it helped open them up to yeah. a whole new area of their life. And so, uh, Rochelle, uh, just tell us, uh, what you experienced there at the council as you heard the, the sermon and just share a few things with us. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. As soon as we began to, and you turn the focus in towards identifying mental health and really cueing into some of the feelings that we hold internally and we often hold it inside or bottle it up. And as I felt as soon as you started to talk and moving the direction of PTSD and identifying some of those internal anxieties, it was like the whole room just went and there yeah. was this big rest and release that um, kind of just moved from the room. Uh, it was beautiful to both witness it, but to see that almost the instantaneous healing process begin. Like in that moment, mm-hmm. um, when we saw that release of energy just move out is like, this is a conversation we're going to have and we're going to have it today. Um, and that just moved forward into the room. And then of course, when we moved into the prayer sessions and, and people began to stand up and identify that they were really struggling 
the calmness and the peace that the Holy Spirit brought into the room. It just began immediately healing. Yeah, it brought tears to my eyes to see the healing happening. And after service, I turned around and, and one of them, I've got several clients that were in the room and, and saw one of them for a minute and her eyes were wide and she was excited and clapping, kind of clapping her hands together and talking about how much this meant to her and, and other people she knew in ministry that have struggled emotionally being able to open up this topic. And, and it was just so refreshing to her. A lot of good feedback about it. Well, I know that, uh, Julie, you came to me after the, the service. You were so mm-hmm. encouraging to me mm-hmm. and uh, uh, so confirming. Uh, yes. And then, of course, uh, Rochelle, as I talked to you just uh, a week or so ago, um, our conversation mm-hmm. and really what kind of opened my heart and mind up to what we're, we're going to move into today uh, you know the, the the scripture says that he wants us to be uh, to be whole uh, in our spirit and in our mind and in our body. And um, the the thing that we have to learn, and this is this is discipleship as well, mm-hmm. is that uh, my spirit man is right, right. Uh, but sometimes the gray matter between my ears. Um, gets gets a little messed up and especially with pastors we talk about all kinds of health workers and, and the trauma they they go through but there's 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 a silent partner a lot of times that's just standing in the wings and that's the minister mm-hmm. and uh not re- re- realizing the um the trauma that that they're going through what they experience and a true shepherd is going to weep they're 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 going to mm-hmm. feel what their people are feeling. Julie, mm-hmm. particular to, to you um, in trying to help our ministers take care of themselves um, and their, their mental health, particularly share some thoughts with us about taking care of the body, the mind and the emotion. Sure. Well, one of the things I wanted to point out is, is we're in a marathon it's a lifelong marathon of ministry and it's not a sprint. We have to pace ourselves. And if we run too hard, we'll exhaust ourselves. So we have to budget, basically budget how we do things because energy is a limited commodity. Like y'all were talking a few weeks ago on the podcast, putting on an oxygen mask before we take care of other people. We have to prioritize taking care of ourselves first so that we can take care of other people well. Mm. And that includes taking care of our bodies because our body is the temple. We got to do when we're under stress, some basic things is just eating healthy and getting enough sleep because those two things fuel us. And our brainstem controls these things. These are basics and when we take care of our basics then our body operates better and it's especially important when we're under long-term stress and we've got to do preventive maintenance like checkups and medications exercise taking vacations having family time having time to rest having time to play having time to sleep sleep and rest and play are not all the same thing 
and finding that sweet spot of what we can do, how much energy we can pour out into other people and still having a balance for ourselves. And Brother Ronnie, I didn't plan on saying this, but you're right about the pastors being the bystanders at watching other people's pain. There's a lot of grief and distress that the shepherd watches over and sees, and there's a lot of powerlessness to help when people are really going through trials. And as a pastor being a witness to it, it can be wearing on the pastors too. So we want to take care of our pastors. And we want you guys to take care of yourselves. It sounds like you might be trying to say something. Well, no, I, I just, uh, you know, I, I think sometimes um, we we have a Messiah complex. Right. Um, and that we, we, we think that we are superhuman and, and other people think we're superhuman. Mm-hmm. And uh, they think, you know, we're supposed to fix it all. Mm-hmm. And, and and then these situations that we don't fix and there's disappointment. Sometimes we um, just can't. We crash and burn at, at that right. point. Right. Right. One so of the things. Go ahead, Rochelle. One of the things that I think that I've both experienced and witnessed and both I've walked through it, but. I've saw my husband walk through it as he pastored. And then I've seen my leaders walk through the, the cycle where we just push and we push past our own boundaries um, because we feel like that's almost the fulfillment of our calling is to push past our humanity. And there are pieces of that that's true, but there are pieces of that that drags us down a very dark hole. Um, and I know for myself, um, I, in 2018, when we came off the field, the mission field and came back home, Addison and I have always said, we're like one unit. Um, he's a pastor, I get to be the tent maker. And so um, I've always done a little bit of work here and there just to make sure that we could balance out and always be able to go. I, w- I never wanted us to be financially dependent on ministry, but I wanted us to be able to you know, let the Lord lead us wherever he needed to. And we would find the money. (laughs) And um, I didn't realize how much of a burden that pushed on me. So fast forward to 2020, the pandemic has hit. I'm working from home and it's midnight. And my husband comes into my office and he's like, are we really still working? (laughs) And I was like, yeah, what's the problem? (laughs) Like, (laughs) What's the issue? Yeah, it's midnight. And he said, um, he said, well, I think the issue is that it's midnight and we're still working. (laughs) And it really just began to, to readjust some things in me. I got COVID not too many days after that and um, had to move into a forced season of rest. And when I did that, um, I really felt like the Lord calling me out, the Holy Spirit, just on every level of not only have you picked up too much to hold on your own, you've taken away my job in the process, which is carrying you. And um, and you've really experienced uh, success in what you've done on your own, but it's never led you where I took, where I wanted you to go. And it was just a raw emotional rip open of correction of the Holy Spirit in my heart and taking me on a new journey. And I began studying biblical Sabbath and learning what it meant, mm-hmm. and 
finding more depth in my understanding of Sabbath. And of course, on a foundational level, I think that we, I knew the big, you know, in the beginning, God created and he created in six days and then he rested on the seventh and he made it holy. You know, that's the thing that I think I was taught as a child. And I always held on to that. I grew up in a pastor's home. Um, well, minister's home, I'll rephrase. My mom is the minister of our family and she's done children's ministry and prison ministry and women's ministry throughout my life. So church was automatic, <laughs> not not as much. It was an offering, but it was also an automatic offering, one we didn't really choose, one we were going to give. <laughs> and um, and as I moved forward, I always just kind of, it was just became programmed in me that this was the thing that I did. And of course, I fell in love with the Lord at a young age through her dragging me to church, of course, and um, really missed some of the intentionality behind Sabbath. And so as I began studying um, that, I started to look into, um, well, what happens if you don't Sabbath? Like, what is that, you know, as a good millennial does, um, we always move into that. Well, what's my consequence question? Mm. And um, for the first time ever, I think I saw in scripture where where if people didn't Sabbath, they were taken outside of the camp and they were stoned. That's in Numbers 15. And I was like, mm-hmm. <sighs> Like my mind was like, oh, so this is why the rabbis freaked out a little bit. That's when, a steep price. Yeah, especially when we see like Jesus working on the Sabbath and we see that move forward. I see as the emotional tensions are high in the community and I began to understand a little bit more about that. But then I couldn't leave it there. And so I took it into Matthew 11 where Jesus is beginning to talk about rest. And he says, all things have been committed to me by the father. No one knows the son except for the father and no one knows the father except the son and those to whom the son chooses to reveal him. And then he almost immediately calls him into like, I want to reveal myself to you. So come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And the Holy Spirit immediately began twitching my heart. One of the things that I picked up, good old Bible college coming out, is that when we talk about the yoke, we never talk about it absent from work, right? So we are talking a little bit about work when Jesus says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And what I believe he's saying is that when I'm doing the work that I've called you to in you and through you, it becomes easy and the Mm -hmm. burden becomes light. Yeah, And I began to release a lot of that hold that I had that I had to fulfill or I had to do X, Y, and Z and, and let it go and sit in the arms of the Father. <laughs> and yeah. it was just life-changing for me. And of course, I didn't stop my studies there. Um, I moved forward immediately into Matthew 12, and we see where the, the rabbis are calling Jesus out for working on the Sabbath. He was healing on the Sabbath, and disciples were picking grain on the Sabbath. And then it's the part where Jesus kind of corrected my heart again. And he says, or haven't you read in the law that the priest on the Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are considered innocent? So let me go into Rochelle version for a minute. Or haven't you read that pastors go to church on a Sunday and work in the church, Mm -hmm. but yet are considered to be perfectly fine? (laughs) Mm-hmm. And so it was like Jesus was saying to my heart, you're, you're getting up and you're working every day, intentionally doing what 
is not supposed to be done on the Sabbath time. Mm-hmm. And um, he moves forward. And he says, I tell you that something greater than the temple is here for you. If you know what these words mean, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. He's cro- quoting Hosea six, six there. You would not have condemned the innocent. So he's saying, if you had have seen like the mercy and not sacrifice. And from that verse from Hosea six, he's pulling out like, what I don't want from you is sacrifice. What I want for you is to spend time with the Lord and spend fullness in the temple and fullness in the Lord. Um, then he would see the true member, the true meaning of Sabbath coming forward. Like we're looking for fullness of Jesus and our spirits and our hearts to fully rest in him. That's when we see an easy yoke and a light burden. That's when we see that the yoke is easy and the burden is mm-hmm. light. And we find ourselves completely humbled in the presence of Jesus. Um, and it took a couple of things to get there. It took an intentional heart that said, I'm going to give this time to the Lord. It took an intentional spirit to come forward and say, Lord, I am weary and I am burdened. And it took an intentional time of saying, Jesus, I'm going to let go. I'm going to be humble and gentle in heart um, and let you give me rest. Mm. And when I look at all of those Mm -hmm. pieces, I began to change and rediscover for me what work was, both feeling the fulfillment of my calling and also finding an intentional space where I let Jesus come in and change things. Um, I did some research and so Lifeway researched that 65% of ministers work more than 50 hours a week. That's a lot. Out of the 65%, 30% of those work between 50 and 59 hours a week. 27% of them work between 60 to 69 hours a week and eight to 10. There's a variable there work more than 70 hours a week. So that is a lot. It's a lot that we carry. It's a lot that we hold on ourselves. Um, Not only did it identify that we work the scheduled nine to five, 40 hours a week, but then we have an additional 20 to 25 hours of unscheduled time that we put in every single week. Um, Most of the time that time is set. um, And the reason it's unscheduled is because we often go to work when, when the world comes home. Right. So the world comes home from their afternoon at work all day and they have to face their lives. And then we're seen interjecting and and running in and trying to bring the Lord into those those cracks or those crevices. And that meant that not only did we work the schedule nine to five, but we're coming in after hours and meeting our people where they are. And so it's been a lot. It's a lot that we mm-hmm. hold on to and it yeah. moves into burnout um, and it moves into depression um, you know, Julie, what do you think? I know you said you've got 27 years and you've worked with ministers for a long time. Why don't you share with us how you would move those strategies forward for taking care of your mental health? Well, let me talk about some of my own personal strategies because, well, they, let me just be real. My strategies have been tested this year like never before. Mm-hmm. My husband passed away about a year ago. I've had breast cancer. My dad's had cancer. I've had a wayward child, a surprise grandchild. We've just gone through it since the pandemic. Wow. Yeah. And so it's everything inside of me has been tested. And there's several, several things I've been thinking that I want to share. But the most important thing out of all of them 
was prayer and fasting because I got to fasting for my own emotional healing. Mm -hmm. And the week I started that was the week that I started changing exponentially better. I could see growth and progress over several months, but in February, it just started shifting when I started fasting like that. And I haven't stopped because I can see what God is doing inside of my emotions and I can't explain it. Even with all my therapy knowledge, I can't explain what he's doing. I can just tell that he's healing me. But some of the things that have come out of this is my learning to be more honest about how I'm feeling and how hard life is. When people ask me how I'm doing, I've started just telling them, not in a way that breaks down and cries, but I'll say, it's a hard day. Or if I'm better, I'll say, I'm, I am better. Or if in, in the process, I'm saying I'm healing or I'm so much better than I was. But I've learned to be more real about who I am and how I'm feeling. Because when we get vulnerable about how we are and we share it with other people, then we have more connection with them. And that makes space for healing. And healing happens in relationship. Our woundings happen there, but healing happens there. And when we go into those deep emotions and we share them with someone else, we confess to one another, we give them a chance to bear burdens with us, then that puts us in a place for healing. And when they respond well, then that shifts things inside of our mind and our body. And it even shifts things in our brain so that we have healing because other people are, are responding well. And one of the things that I've done that I've been really happy about is actually I decided to see a therapist mm-hmm. going through all this grief. It's the trial of my life. And I remember right before session last time, I thought, I can tell him anything. It'll be okay. And therapists are sometimes called the secret keepers. And we all need a place that we can go and let down our guard and have confidentiality and share our messiness and our depth of pain and our secrets. And sometimes it's the caregiver. We don't want to allow ourselves to be cared for, but we need to make room for that. Yeah, that's very boy. That's, that's such a good point. And let me let me just break in here to just sure. because uh, if you get in a room and we this this question was asked just this past weekend, you get in a room full mm-hmm. of ministers mm-hmm. and you ask them who they are who they I think accountability partner is a little strong, but who is it that they could share anything with mm-hmm. uh, secrets? being honest, things like that. And and what you're going to find is very few ministers are going to be um, honest about everything that's going on in their life. And they don't have somebody that they can turn to. And, and, it's, and, and again, the taboo of, let's just look at the taboo of, of what mm-hmm. we've looked at as far as, as therapists are concerned. Yeah. I don't want anybody to think I'm mentally disturbed. Um, but I think this is the whole point of the conversation that we're getting something out there that that a lot of times the church does, doesn't want to deal with. I can tell you a story of, you know, I'm 
uh, one of the strengths of, of my ministry is from the standpoint of you can call it counseling or you can call it uh, discipleship. Uh, you can call it therapy, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, I, I took on a lot of that. In fact, we, we, we would look at how many people we would deal with in a year. Sometimes this was repeat, but there was like, a, you know, I remember one year about 160. Right. And I remember sitting on the edge of one of, uh, of one of these sessions, on the edge of my seat in one of these sessions, and I was emotionally engaged. Uh, and, and in fact, um, emotionally charged to the point that, that, that I told them, I said, do you think I can just let this stuff roll off of me? I can't. Mm-hmm. And 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 I think that's the part of uh, of a pastor is um, I know some pastors run away. Some don't want anything to do with this uh, counseling therapy. Mm-hmm. But I, I really believe that this is this is really a first line, and pastors need to embrace this. This is an opportunity for you to assess. You don't mm-hmm. need to meet any more than, you know, three or four times until you say, you know what, uh, I know, I know some people, I know a couple of therapists mm-hmm. that I'd sure like to recommend that you at least go talk to. Uh, but I think a lot of times if, from my generation, you know, this, hey, this, this is taboo, but uh, I really, the Lord gave me a good lesson on it. And in, in, uh, when I was pastoring uh, in Moralton, and he taught me really quick about uh, emotional uh, abuse and pain, mm-hmm. and I changed my whole perspective there. And you know, uh, Rochelle, when you you talked about rest, um, you know, I, 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 you know, doing what God's called me to do is therapeutic. But we have to be able to discern the difference in uh, our uh, our call and what we're doing and just getting, you know, our um, gratification from that. Right. We have to understand when we do hit a wall. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and so when we talk about rest, yeah, the load's still there, but we're, we're yoked with, with Jesus. Right. And I believe that because of his great strength, you know, that's what makes our yoke light is when we can fully say, okay, I, I can't, I'm not strong enough to hold on to this or push this forward anymore or plow this field anymore, but the spirit of the Lord is. And um, I also know from my, from my personal experience that when I sit in time of, especially the thought process of where I've got to keep going, that I tend to try to take over and take the reins and, you know, I may or may not go in the right direction. Right. Cause then we're one yoked and that doesn't work. And so, um, you know, I'm plowing that field all over the place. It doesn't look right at all. But when I, when I link up with Jesus and he's carrying the weight of it and he's pushing it forward, 
um, and I'm sitting in the fullness of his spirit, that's when it becomes easy. That's when it becomes light. Mm. Um, I was sitting with a pastor in, um, I'm sorry, I'll rephrase a missionary in, uh, well, I'll keep that one to myself. But, and he sat down (laughs) and said, um, confidentiality there. Right. Right. Um, he sat down and said to me, I, I can't stand the concept or the thought of walking into heaven one day and having a list handed to me of people that I didn't save. And I was like, wait, hold on a minute. Where's that biblical? Like, How did we pick up that perspective of, of, I didn't get them saved. You know, I can't, I can't stop working. I can't stop going. I can't stop moving Mm -hmm. because that person didn't get saved. And I'm like, how do we take the grace of the goodness of God and remove it from that equation and push forward with our will? And um, that's when things get blurry and messy. Um, That's when we become exhausted. That's when we hit that burnout phase that I was talking about, which I'm just going to throw out can look like defensiveness. It can look like rigidity. It can look like irritability. Um, It can look like never feeling like you're fully rested, you can sleep for eight to 10 hours a day, but still need to take a nap. Um, you know, one of the things that on the physiological side of things, right, we know a little bit about hormones and stress hormones. So cortisol levels increase when we're under mm-hmm. high levels of stress. But then when your body tries to balance out your cortisone levels, it often moves into trying to go for some endorphins, which help pull down cortisol levels. Um, so then you might have increased desire for risk-taking behaviors and that can go anywhere from breaking your ethics to bungee jumping, (laughs) you know? And so when you find yourself, like, it's just that strive for your brain to go, I got to get out of this stress. And Mm -hmm. so we move into impulsivity and, um, that happens when we don't consistently give us time to reset those hormones, allow the Lord to rebalance our body, because the truth is that there's something to the reflection of six days and rest, six mm. days and rest, um, because your body ain't really meant for much more than that, because yeah. that's when we see that those high cortisol levels are getting higher. Um, and then our impulsive behaviors increase, which often may not take us down the right road. Um, and we become dysregulated. Julie, I didn't want to interrupt you. All right. <laughs> I have more thoughts to share. <laughs> Your missionary you were talking about, it what they were saying about themselves and feeling like they would have to defend in a defend in a way if when they were standing in heaven there's we're often critical of ourselves and i think pastors are just like anybody else we tend to criticize what we're doing and, and this i call it the inner bully but it's really satan it sounds like our voice. The pastor was talking last night. We have three voices in our head. We have our voice, God's voice, and Satan's voice. And they all sound like our voice. But the inner bully that we have beats us up all the time. And there's an anxiety component to it. One of the ways to, to deal with this is to think about the scripture about loving our neighbor as ourselves. A lot of times we look at our neighbor and when we think of the scripture, we think, oh, I should elevate my neighbor higher. 
but as Christians, we don't often think of elevating ourselves to the same level as we elevate everybody else. And so it's normal and natural for us to speak critically to ourselves. But when we have a brother that's struggling or a congregant or our best friend, we don't criticize them. Right. We, we actually are supportive to them. And so we can ask ourselves, am I saying the same thing to myself that I would say to my brother? And instead of speaking to ourselves critically, we can give ourselves the same compassion that we would turn to someone else. Well, I think there's a portion of scripture, and, and of course, I understand the translations, I get it, but, you know, speaking to yourself, mm-hmm. uh, also that, that also means speaking to one another. Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart mm-hmm. to the Lord. It's, um, you know, to, try, trying to be more positive than, than negative um, because. You know, again, we we are battling. We are in a warfare, and and there yeah. are voices in our head, for real voices in our head. That's true. We need to think about what we're thinking. Right. We need to evaluate our thoughts and check them and see if how much how much truth is in them. Mm-hmm. See, Satan lies. That's his native language. He's That's the father right. of lies, and he mixes in a little truth, and it's hard to recognize what's true and what's not. And God will show us the truth when we stop and we ask him to show us about our own thinking. Mm. Because we need to, there are times we need to argue against our thinking. We need to cast Mm. down imaginations and take our thoughts Mm. captive. So I think stepping back and looking at our thinking is one of the healthiest things we can do for ourselves. Well, that's the whole Philippians 4, 6 through 8, one of my favorites. Think, think yeah. on these things, and that's mm-hmm. that gets you in a healthy mindset. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we, we've been going here about 30 minutes, and we've only barely scratched the surface. <laughs> You're right. But here's, you know, here's the thing that we've, we've, we've wanted to do is, is you know, we, we simply want to continue in this, where we are right now is in awareness, just yeah. making people aware and and then also giving them uh, the resources, giving them uh, the contact information that's necessary um, so that, that they can have the opportunity to uh, make contact. So, you know, before we get, get off of here, uh, uh, Julie, why don't you give us a means of how we, you know, somebody listen to this podcast and there, there'll be, there'll be uh, several listening to this podcast. Uh, how, how is it that somebody might be able to make contact with you? Well, I'm pretty easy to find. I have a website for my therapy practice. It's called divine therapy, LLC. And my number is 501-213-1077. But you can Google me, you can Google divine therapy and it should pop up plenty easy and, and you'll be able to find my contact information there too. And my email address is jfant at divinetherapyar.com if you want to reach out. Well, I, and I, I want to uh, also give Ro- Rochelle an opportunity yes. to give, uh, give her contact information. 
Yeah. So my contact is, well, my website is regenesiscounseling.org. And my direct email is just Rochelle at regenesiscounseling.org. Um, and my contact, my phone number, and both of those as well are Googleable. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You just Google Regenesis Counseling. It's going to be one of the first things that pop up. Um, also, I my phone number is 501-593-2804. Well, I can't thank you both enough. It's been good to get to uh, to know both of you and your passion. Oh, thank you for inviting us. And uh, we, uh, I just want to encourage our listeners, uh, listen, re- reach out for help. There are people out there that, that would love to help. And, and I, I want you to know that we as a district are committed to helping. I can just tell you, since we have talked about this at the council and really all over this district, uh, I can't tell you, I walk into a church and a pastor's wife will come up to me and say, I just want to thank you. I've been struggling mm-hmm. and I'm taking this kind of medication. I had a pastor actually uh, drive down to this district office, which it's not easy for pastors to do that, just so you know. And he sat down and he said, I wanted to talk to you face to face. And I'm going to tell mm-hmm. you what I experienced and, and what I'm, I'm really struggling with. And you know why? Because simply we're having these type of, of conversations. I do want to emphasize, um, just as you heard uh, our missionary um, tell what she went through, but also the healing on the other side. Mm-hmm. And as Third John 2, I love this, uh, as, as he gave this, Desire, he said. I would. I pray that you would be whole in your spirit, your mind, and body. And uh, that's that's what I want to do in closing today. Is is I just want to pray that for those who who are listening. Well, Father, I just bow before you today, and so grateful for uh, Rochelle and for Julie and for them taking valuable time to, to come on the podcast today and, and Lord, uh, and for their, um, their giftedness, their abilities and their willingness to reach out and help uh, because uh, we're finding more and more are being challenged. Um, and so Lord, in my prayer today is that uh, you would make us whole in, in our spirit in our mind and body, that truly we uh, would be totally and completely whole. God, today we also pray that you would make us aware of moments in our life when we do, as we emphasize today, those, those times when we need to take that Sabbath and rest and, and, get, um, and, and, and get ourselves built back up, uh, building ourselves up on our most holy faith. So uh, I just pray your blessings uh, upon those listening. And I just, uh, I pray that you would continue to raise up more uh, people like uh, Rochelle and Julie. Bless them as my prayers well and their families. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, thank you guys amen. again. I appreciate you being on with thank us. Thank you. Thank you. 
And for all of those of you uh, listening, I just pray and, and uh, believe God's gonna, God is going to answer that prayer. Have a wonderful rest of the day.